Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Cocktails and Roses, bringing you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the nitty-gritty, the inside of you of Season 6 of The Bachelorette. I'm Osha Ginsberg. This is Alicia Aitken-Radburn. We've both been there in one way or another, and the two of us are, I don't know, well, I say putting our two cents in, but two cents hasn't really been in the currency for how long now? What, uh, putting our five cents in, Alicia? Well, we're definitely putting our five cents in because we've been having some very yeah. deep <laughs> conversations through this podcast, and I can't believe that we are finally at the end of The Bachelorette Australia 2020. Well, I've got to tell you, Alicia, um, you know, this podcast has been great. I'm really grateful to finally be on a Bachelor-related podcast. This is the first one I've ever done. Um, and look, all I can say is that my wife listened the other day and she said, oh, you guys are really funny. Um, to get that out of my wife, we're winning. All right, that's better than any Australian podcast award. Oh, Glenn Glenn also listened to one episode and was very disappointed to learn that I'd just been roasting him about his white boy dancing. So. Become a better dancer, Glenn. No. It's really that simple. And stop and stop making smoothies in the middle of us trying to make a podcast, pal. Oh. Learn how to make your smoothie before you go to yep. the gym. Leave it in the fridge. It's not hard to do, Glenn. <laughs> now, if you have not seen the finale, if you have not seen the finale, this is like my life since Daylight Savings kicked in, is explaining to people in Queensland mostly... Um, I'm. I, I just. I just I'm constantly, Alicia. I'm constantly having to apologise. I'm really sorry that I came into your house through your front door. That's probably locked, but I found a way in. I grabbed your phone. I unlocked it with your passcode, and I opened your Instagram, and I forced you to look at the results. So I'm really sorry for all those people that I did that to. But if you don't know how to avoid spoilers for a reality TV show, you probably shouldn't own a phone um, because we're about to spoil a pants off the final two. We're about to talk about who is there, who's the first out of the car. Who's there? Who's there at the end? We're about to talk about all of that. So if you haven't seen it yet, watch those last two episodes. If not, it's Spoiler Town on the other side of the theme song. All right, a lot of rain coming down today here, uh, Alicia, in, in Sydney, where I am. And I'm, I'm now in the podcastle. We were in the basement, uh, but my nephew's moved in with us. And so now I'm, I'm in, the, in the attic. Uh, so I'm I'm far clo- I'm closer to God. I'm closer to God. <laughs> Where you want to be when you're recording podcasts? Well, I don't believe in an interventionist God, mm. but you know, <laughs> I don't believe in these things. Uh, here we go, hometowns. We warm up now. Now, first, my first shot of Fraser. The first shot of Fraser. Do we see the front of him? No. Nah. All we see is a lot of Fraser doing some toe touches in footy shorts. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like I love, I I always love the footy hometown. The last time that we had it from memory was Brooke Blurton and Honey Badger in Perth for her hometown. But I gotta say, like Brooke Brooke is a gorgeous woman, but didn't mind seeing Fraser's athletic abilities. And. Uh... <laughs> Allow me to put this, and if you are a someone who's taking pull quotes out of this podcast and using them as headlines, Bachelor host says, gentlemen, never skip leg day, ever, <laughs> ever. If what you're coming did you on our show, out? Did you, were you not? Don't you... ever skip leg. I know Fraser's fine, but oh, just bear in mind yeah. that sooner or later you're going to be seen without long pants on, and if you've been spending too much time on the chest and delts, we're going to know. So... <laughs> Yeah, Fraser, Fraser looks good from a clear, like My from a God. purely professional perspective as a commentator. <sighs> I thought that, yep, he looks pretty, 
<laughs> As a man who does squats, I'm looking at him going, damn, what's he pushing on the squat rack? Those glutes are huge. <laughs> Enough talk about Fraser's butt. Um, how's the point where, you know, he, he ran into the other side of the field away from the camera crew and there was a bit of a, oops, a daisy, a bit of a tackle. Oops, a daisy, don't mind if I do. Hello, this is a different kind of tackle. <laughs> Like, that was a pash. A classic move. And I've really, like, I feel like what I've enjoyed seeing of Fraser this season is I feel like it took him a little while to come out of his shell. And now I think he is just full throttle into the whole pashing on screen. And you've got, it's something you've got to get comfortable with, or else you're not managing to experience your moments while you're dating someone on a TV show as you usually would in real life. You know, because you casually tackle people and then make out with them in matching football outfits. Yeah. That's how my first Tinder dates go. But we've we've got it. We've got an eight hundred millimeter lens, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> you may think you're on the other side of the football field, but you were both wearing microphones. And we have a long lens, but it's fine if that's what they needed. Uh, but if there's one thing I've noticed about this show and this particular season, the editors are really just like lingering on the pashes for a lot longer than they normally oh, do. Oh gosh, I can't remember who who it was, but there was one. Oh, maybe maybe it was Adrian with Becky. But God, like I thought that my kiss on Bachelor in Paradise with Canadian Daniel had a lot of tongue, but there has been a lot of lot of tongue featured, and for just a few beats longer than I would. <laughs> that I was really prepared for. Just spare for. a thought for Romel, our boom operator. That's all I'm saying. Just spare a thought oh. for Romy because when they get all close to each other, all right, and you probably have seen this, when they get really close to each other, the microphones are underneath the clothes, all right? So as people hug, that's the noise you get. So you can't use the sound while they're hugging. So someone's got to get in there with a boom pole. Romy just, <laughs> just like gazelling over a football field. <laughs> Hey, you can't miss this. Yeah, with a with a face shield on and some PPE oh. with a very long extended boom pole so he's out of the shot, just listening to the oh. noises. <laughs> oh, those sound operators have seen some stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. I uh sometimes I'm when I'm in a suit and we're shooting in summertime, uh, where I have to hide the microphone pack on my body, unfortunately, it gets a bit sweaty. And I hand it back to the guys. They're all waterproof and everything. I'll say, guys, I'm really sorry. It's a bit sweaty. And they look at me and go, I did seven seasons of Biggest Loser, mate. <laughs> my one is that, like, when we were in our cocktail party dresses, the, the placement yeah. of the mics as well, the wire is threaded sort of just under cupping our boob. <laughs> and... You know, we we were all professionals in the TV environment. So I've worked with some soundies and they are that professional. You're, you feel like you're at a doctor's surgery and they'll tell you movement by movement where the mic wire is going. Are we all comfortable with it? Yep, we're securing it with some duct tape now. Has to They're happen. great. It has to happen. We uh, Once we get past the pashing situation, uh, Ellie gets face-to-face time with Lorraine, uh, Pat, and Reese. Now, they're on Zoom because Queensland is a fortress that is impenetrable to anyone uh, at the moment. And so there there was a moment there um, that I got the feeling that everyone except Fraser's, every, like Fraser's like the only person in his family who was cool with him going on this show. Everyone else is like, this is weird. What are you doing? I don't understand it. I was... Yeah, this was a particularly uncomfortable 
uh, hometown, I guess, when you, when we're meeting the parents, because I think often the hometowns are uncomfortable because like someone's like, are you here for the right reasons? Like standard stuff. Are you trying to get famous or are you really here for love? But Lorraine, like she did, she did have, there, there was that featured, but she was also just like on top of, do you want to get famous or do you want to actually date my son? She was just like so captured by the whole idea of going on reality TV to find love, just the concept itself, not necessarily the fame. Yeah. But I'm I I really gotta know. We've got to follow up, Osha. I gotta know where Lorraine met her husband. Cause we got a lot of we got a lot of commentary saying they've been together for ages. And I'm imagining like yeah. surely it's just down at the local pub or something like that. Uh, yeah, L- L- Lorraine's someone, I'm going to assume, Lorraine's someone who's never found herself alone uh, in a lockdown and just swiping right, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, I w- Lorraine's just, it's, it's, it's completely strange to someone. I understand it because she's never had to do that. I Certainly after I got, um, when I suddenly found myself single again in my late 30s, um, the last time I was single, there was no Facebook. There was no ability to send photos over your phone. There was no Tinder. None of these things existed. So learning how to be single in this new rule book was completely foreign to me. So I understand that someone's a bit like, I don't get it. I don't understand. But I get what you're saying is like, how different can it possibly be than wandering into a pub alone and leaving with a phone number? Like, Exactly. And should we, I, I do think that like, I don't subscribe to this whatsoever, but I do think that there are some people out there that sort of judgmental is maybe not the word, but rank what way, like there's definitely this competition from a romantic perspective about how you met and how that reflects on, I guess, the legitimacy of your relationship. And I think that it is still pretty a pretty new concept for some people that, people have met on things like Bumble and Tinder and are constructing really long-term relationships because those apps are seen to be so like instantly gratifying. Um, And so reality TV is just another step to altogether. Like I went to my first wedding, me and Glenn went to a wedding a couple of weekends ago and embedded into the whole celebrants yarn about, you know, people being in love, it was mentioned that the beginning of their love story was on Bumble and it was incorporated in a really cute romantic way. And I remember remember standing with Glenn thinking, oh, God, like what's our like celebrants preamble going to be about us? I've told told you I've been to more than enough – you know, Tinder weddings. I know two Tinder babies um, from one of those Tinder weddings. So I, I really, I, I understand how people may be sucked into the transactional nature of, you know, using a dating app to find someone or because the element of competition uh, is visual on a show like our, ours, people think it, it's not uh, legitimate. But I'm here to tell you, all we are doing is demonstrating on camera exactly what happens in life. You don't think that that hot bloke that you know at work that you're tuning has someone at his gym 
that is chatting and get she gets there 10 minutes early. Fancy that. She's in a full face of makeup ready for a gym workout. She's, you know, she's hit that at 45. She always happens to stand next to him. You don't think that there's other people in that person's life trying to build connections as they go. You don't think they have options unless you live in a country town like Batuta with a population of 85. I'm telling you, every person who is single is exploring their options at every point in time. It's just on this show, you see it. The other thing about The Bachelor as well that I've just been sort of ruminating on recently through these last few episodes is that I think that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette in a way that I think we don't even, like you don't get the opportunity to do this in real life is you've got someone like Ellie Wright who's got a number of guys still in the mix for her. Like let's take it to top four where she's got four very different guys and she's dating them all at once. Yeah, interesting concept, like cool, whatever. Not only like in real life is that probably happening anyway, but the fascinating thing about The Bachelorette is it allows a woman to have a whole range of options in front of her, a whole range of you know, uh, you see it with um, Becky. She describes picking Pete will be picking with my head. Picking Adrian will be picking with my heart. And it forces you to go within yourself and identify exactly what you need and want in your next relationship. Are you going to prioritize the passion even though maybe you're not on the same timeline and that with it takes risk? Or are you going to probably take the more, like people would call it the safe option of someone that's on the same timeline, but maybe like you, (laughs) maybe like if you don't want to rip their clothes off right in that very moment, like you do with, well, for Becky, Adrian. So (laughs) I, I think it's really fascinating because it forces our protagonist to evaluate what they want in their life. Deep. That's what people come to this podcast for, the deep, deep assessments of the psychology behind the reality dating television show scene, and that's what they're getting. Uh, but back to Lorraine, who she's chewing her best. All she, she loves her kids, and you know she absolutely loves them. And kind of the way that it comes across in the cut is that she kind of wants to be in Fraser's life all of the time. Like all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. What do you, you know, what do you think about that? Do you think Fraser's the kind of guy who hasn't done his laundry in a while? Do you think Fraser's the kind of bloke that drops his laundry off at mum's once a week? Yeah, I I do do see that connection between Fraser and Lorraine. I think that, you know, I think it's, I think it's quite common for parents, particularly initially. Like I remember when I was sort of 16 and, sort of had my first boyfriend. Actually, I might have even been a bit younger. I think I was just 15 and it was just me and my mum growing up. And I remember it was actually me and mum have reflected on this in now that I'm a bit older, but I, she, she really wanted to empower me to like, you know, go have this relationship. And I ended up dating the guy for three and a half years. And over those initial years, while I was still in high school, I really like his family became my second family and I was over at their house in Rosebury constantly, like four nights a week. And mum said that that was a really emotional and hard experience to identify that I was entering a new chapter in my life where I was going to start having adult 
situations, adult dynamics, and that we weren't necessarily going to be in the space 24, 24 hours a day and that I would be relying on other people. And so I think that that's what's happening here with Fraser and Lorraine. I feel like I feel like I don't know what Fraser's relationship history is like, but maybe it's an indicator that Lorraine can see, oh, this could be something serious in my son's life and I'm going to just have to I'm going to have to do some, you know, uh, work within myself to let let yeah. him go. Well, I would say that, as you mentioned, I know what you're describing. That certainly happened in our family, you know, uh, certainly as, I mean, our eldest is uh, nearly 17. And so she has definitely, we've definitely experienced what you're describing. And then everyone, you know, when your kid gets to that age, you have that, oh, my God, they don't look for me for guidance anymore they're looking they're looking yes and what's the parent's perspective on that do you like did you find it emotional oh my god it's the worst but you know you've got to let them do it you've got to let them do it and you've got to let them go out and perhaps perhaps get hurt because that's a part of learning i think what was telling is this is now the second time we've heard in hometowns uh shannon's folks shannon's people said it and fraser's people have said it he doesn't bring girls home now, what does that tell us about the quality of relationships that have been happening? He doesn't bring girls home. What does that tell us? What is what is that a flag? I mean, for me, that's more of a red flag than than mum is feeling a little protective. Oh, me too. And I remember, like, I might have mentioned it on on the podcast before, but like, I had this full shift in paradise when. Glenn told me that like one of his major red flags, and I think different people have different opinions on this, but one of his personal red flags or something that stops him from progressing a relationship is if the other party hasn't had a long-term serious relationship. And I think that's from his own context of like, you know, being a man, a 33-year-old man who's had an eight-year relationship before we were together. And yeah, I don't, I think, I think, I just thought it was such an interesting perspective because I used to have this whole thing about, and it was like super lame and not correct, but I used to have this whole like romantic notion that I wanted to be a man's first love. And so they couldn't have possibly had a serious relationship other than me. And just in that sentence, it really like, and I was like, oh yeah, actually I, I want and need that too, because I need a partner who has, I'm not, I'm not ready to educate another man, like (laughs) to pass him along. Like Irina mentioned it on her season. She feels like she was educating every guy. Let me just put this like, do you want to get on the back of a motorcycle with someone on their L place? (laughs) Or do you want to get on the back of a motorcycle with someone who's been on their eyes for five years? <laughs> I love and that. And knows how to ride a 600, like a 1200cc Ducati. No, you want the person that knows how to lean into a corner. All right? I'm just like, now I'm back in Bali on the Scoopy. <laughs> someone like that can hardly. No, no, no. <laughs> me on my first day love in Bali, scoopy. like had one lesson love and I can hardly balance. <laughs> love a Scoopy. How good is this? No, seriously, that whole idea, like if you've ever had really great, unexpectedly great sex, in the back of your brain, just say a little thank you to that person's exes. Yeah. Like, thank you, every person that came before me, exactly what I'm saying. Thank you, every person that came before me for teaching this person what they liked because some of those things have worked on me too. <sighs> That's it. People don't learn how to do stuff in a vacuum. Be grateful. Be grateful for the techniques and skills that they've picked up along the way. Ah, oh, for sure. Um, speaking of... <laughs> I don't know. This is a bad segue. 
But speaking of things that people have picked up along the way, I don't know where Fraser picked up this phrase, but towards the end of their hometowns where they're doing that, like, I love this part of hometowns where they've like met the family and then they like go sort of out to the front of the house. And then it's like, okay, we're doing the like, are you falling in love with me part? Like I need to know now so I can start like, you know, planning planning these last this last <laughs> this last episode i guess logistically but this last stretch of time um and in this moment fraser says it feels like their souls are touching and oh i just like had a full is that bo- a sex move i don't know about it probably sounds like it that's is that where you lie on with your you know like you, you put your feet together and somehow you I feel oh, like I feel I'm like Joey. I feel like Joey and Ellie's souls touched that weekend. <laughs> oh, S O U L. I thought you meant S O L E. Oh, oh no, not their feet. Oh God, no. Unfortunately for Fraser, he did not get feet soul action. He got like proper chakra soul action. <laughs> but it was a it was a great move. It was a great line. And look, if if he's for a guy that's never brought a girl home, he's just trying to put into words possibly emotions that he has yet allowed himself to the time to experience. That is all right? true. Because we all know there's, there is an event horizon that a lot of people never push through. There's the event horizon where the thrill and excitement of the initial few weeks of sex vanishes and you realize you actually have to talk to someone to enjoy their company. And there's an event horizon that a lot of people don't push past. They don't take the time to discover, actually, you know what, talking to this person is almost as much fun as having sex with them. In fact, it could almost be better. And that's when you start pushing into that long-term relationship. A lot of people feel that initial sex spark vanish, which it always does. And they go, oh, it's over. I'm not feeling yeah. it. And that's it. And they just go from you know, two, two months long sleepover fun uh, into the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And I don't know if the phrase has done that, but if I get the sensation that for someone who's never brought somebody home, he might be exploring putting these emotions into words for the first time. Yeah, so we'll give him a free pass on the soul's touching. <laughs> he gets a free pass. And speaking of free pass, how's the gun show on Adrian when he's just bouldering up that wall, just it's like full Alex Honnell free solo style. He looked, he looked great. So Adrian uh, goes for it. Uh, we meet Adrian's brother, Jaden, uh, Kaz, his mum, uh, his younger brother Tristan and his mate David. Tristan's there in person and and fabulously kind of sits behind him third wheeling the whole time, which is kind of wild. I found this whole hometown really, really uncomfortable, to be honest. Like, I think, and it's, okay, so this is a big thing. Like, we we have seen this transformation within Adrian this season, but when you're relying on Adrian to, like, carry the hometown, I was, I was, it really brought me around to Adrian a lot because you've got, like, his brother on Zoom and the whole cougar chat, I just, like, was not I was not about he he was saying like oh he he's like 26 you're 30 and the brother was 29 and it was just like Ugh, give me gave me a bit of the icks now when it comes to using the word cougar um 
that is a word, like how dare you minimize or diminish a woman's sexuality who just happens to be older than you. Yeah, I agree. It's a horrible way to describe, um, uh, uh, like what, your sexuality vanishes the moment you turn 24? Sorry, that's it. You're no longer allowed to be sexual. I'm actually just interesting as a, interested as a society that we haven't, like, I feel like we have a lot of discussion around the word bitch or other sort of denigrating words towards females. I know that probably in the, I remember there was some conversations around the C word. I can probably get away with bitch. I probably can't get away with the C word on no. cocktails and roses. Not on, not on a net, not on a network 10 endorsed <laughs> podcast, but fun fact, fun fact, yeah. people, people often shorten my name to Osh and the delightful Snajana reminded me that Osh in, uh, the language that she speaks with her parents, uh, in fact, means that very oh, word lovely. that rhymes with hunt. <laughs> yes. We'll avoid so Osh. It. It's always Osh for me. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So tell me about this word. Does this word oh, is think, up there? Yeah, I think that we should probably have more discussions in society about how sort of like it's it's a word and like paints a picture that you're clearly trying to demean somebody. Like I'm sure there's some people who yeah. sort of own their status as a cougar. Uh, but realistically, like I feel like in this circumstance, in this context, it is serving to sort of like take the piss out of her a little bit. And, yeah, I didn't love it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, would we have heard this man describe Lockie, who's exactly the same age as Becky, and his sexual attraction to Bella, who's the same age as Adrian? Yes. Absolutely It's not. also like, Absolutely it's no way. Are we serious? Like, I've just turned 28. Glenn's 33. Like, oh, Glenn the cougar. <laughs> like, what? Look, I find it. I find it really. You know, it's it's really interesting that the way that we are only, we only allow certain people to be uh, sexually expressive uh, uh, in a public way, and it's usually only men who are allowed to be sexually expressive over a certain age. Women up to a certain age, fine, over that, nothing. And when I say men, I mean white men. I'm 46. I like having sex with my wife, but I'm a white man. A 46-year-old man from Southern Asia, a 46-year-old man from, say, India or Pakistan going, I like having sex with my wife, suddenly everyone freaks out. Mm. A 46-year-old you know, bloke who's you know, a Nepalese guy who works down the road at the, the restaurant, he's 46. Suddenly, nobody wants to think about a 46-year-old Nepalese guy having sex. But trust me, we all do. Um, I think there's a greater question to, around this, but uh, for me, just simply flipping the script, you know, to do what um, Abby Chatfield, you know, uh, would say, it's just like, what would be the other way around? Yeah. Lockie and Bella, exactly the same by a couple of months um, age difference, but Lockie's sexuality is fine. We don't diminish that. We're not calling him a cradle snatcher. We're not saying he's into young chicks. Isn't that a bit weird? You're into young girls. No, fine. Go for it, mate. It's not like there isn't legitimate conversations that you can have around age. Like I think we did see legitimate conversations about age with Lockie and Bella. Like I think you, in that circumstance, like maybe the conversations are surrounding what do our life paths look like? And, you know, in this circumstance, maybe it's like at 26, Adrian might not be ready for kids, whereas Becky might want them in like the next couple of years. That's a fine conversation to have, but you don't need to bring, like, you don't need to freaking call someone a cougar. It was icky, and I thought that it really sort of lent onto the rude 
on the balance of things, it just was kind of uncomfortable. And I think that Adrian was, I think Adrian could identify that. And I feel like sometimes being on one of these shows, I actually think that sometimes some of the boys can go through a bit of a baptism of fire about like what is socially appropriate. And I think maybe in their home contexts, they might, you know, be out with the boys. They might not be having these conversations about love and relationships. So for as much as I think sometimes the audience thinks that, and and in ways it is, the mansion is like very boys, boys, boys. I also think that it forces the boys to have conversations about like, you know, how we, I think it made him reflect on how he treats women in the context of a group of other men who are treating Becky with, respect i concur and 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 you're right there i won't say who but there have been people that i have spoken to on after paradise uh which we've done after the bachelor in paradise the recap show we've done there who've turned to me uh you know in an ad break after we've kind of gone over something that happened that you know the country went what the you know and they turned to me and they said everyone i work with all the men in my life this is exactly how they behave. I'm only understanding that it's not the right thing to do when I am now here. Yeah. And I just honestly didn't know. And I believed him, 100% believed him because, you know, I grew up in that kind of thing. I grew up around the only woman in my life who wasn't my mum was my accounting teacher. All right. Everyone at my school or my teachers, everyone was men and they all had that thing. They all had that, they all had that. And so I just didn't know. And then suddenly, baptism of fire, I'm 21, and my first girlfriend's like, what? Yes. Are you talking? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it was very hard to adjust to, but, you know, we all need it. We all need it. We get through Adrian's hometown, and, you know, as far as thirst goes, we've seen We've seen, uh, you know, to, not to diminish, you know, these men just to their physical appearances, but I'm about to. Um, <laughs> we've seen Fraser in the footy shorts. We saw Adrian with the gun show. Hello, boys. Hello, ladies. Adam. Yeah. I Naked to the waist in a wetsuit. Just... Just, just standing there in his geologic glory, like a, like a thunder egg basking in the sun. Oh my god! Did you goodness, just say man. a thunder I don't know egg? What to do with myself. Yeah, What's it's the it's the inside of a volcanic. It's the inside of a volcanic rock that's cut open. It's the one with all the crystals. They sell it in bloody hippie oh, shops. Oh yes, yes, like I know the one that you're talking about. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking oh about God. when I was looking at Adam. I was definitely thinking about thunder eggs. <laughs> I was thinking about that and hair removal, mostly like, my God, how much time does he bench press? Like a lot. Oh, my gosh. It is, yeah. I think that I also liked, you know, I think we do sports a lot, but I do think that, like, the surfing, clearly that is, like, Adam's a West Coast boy. I'm sure he's, like, gone down south, Margaret River region. Like, there's some nice beaches around there. Yeah. So it was kind of like he was... He was showing a little bit of a part of him to uh, Ellie. Oh, a little bit of a part. Uh, <laughs> He's thunder. So there was a moment there, and I've got to say, I've got to say, shout out to Justin who tried really hard, and he telegraphed it about four and a half minutes before he said it. Has he rocked your world? Like, <laughs> mate, you really pushed. You pushed that dad joke in there. You shoved it through the square peg of the round hole, and we got over the line. Um, 
But, you know, again, another person that's never introduced a girl to the family. Yeah. And like, am I, am I just old fashioned? Am I just old? Is this what's happening, Alicia? Am I just now beyond, like, is it, is the transactional nature of internet hookups culture, meaning that you don't ever have to form a, enough of an emotional bond with someone because you always know there's someone else. Therefore, you never get to the point where you introduce someone. I don't know what Honestly, it is. Honestly, I think I'm a little bit past it as well. Like I've been, I feel like I've been the opposite in my own personal life and I've got into a stage with, you know, multiple guys and like there's a running joke in my family about who I'm bringing home for Christmas this year. So I'm I'm quite quick to introduce partners to my family, you know, if I think that it's solid, but I think that it's heading I think with the proliferation of apps, it has made it more and more that way. And also I think mm. it's a bit of context as well of like Adam's 24. So and he says that he's never been in love. So I don't know where I'd be really intrigued to learn more about his past relationships and what they actually look like. Have you had some but they've all just been like 3 or 4 months or have you had a like have you had a year long relationship where you didn't get yeah. to the love stage and you didn't get to the meeting the parent stage. That is a bit odd for me. I do, you know, and and listen, we have been talking about these apps and you know modern dating a little bit on this show today. I do, I I, I can only tell you because I'm old now, right? But the best part, the best part is when you push past that point. The best part is where you start when you when you when you have a a, a lover who happens to be your best friend. Um, Adam, he's such a lovely man. He's such a sweet prince, a dear sweet stoic prince that I adore. Um, there's a bit of a, a bit of a hard time when uh, Steph kind of claims that Ellie deflects the future question. Was she deflecting it? Do you think? Yeah, I feel like honestly. Osha, through these hometowns, I've just really, I, I don't think that Ellie hides her emotions very well. And I yeah. think that unfortunately through some of her body language and just nonverbal cues and even the way that she says some, and some, some stuff and she couches her language, I do think that for, for an audience member that is seeing how she's interacting with other families, I do feel like it's quite pronounced her treatment of Adam and their relationship in comparison to like, let's say, even like even another hometown I was a bit sus on, Joe and his family, even compared to Joe, like she's she's still quite there and in the moment and the Adam one just seemed a little yeah, like she had a she had her walls up majorly, and I wasn't expecting that after their body painting date. I thought that that was I thought there was yeah. huge sparks there. Yeah, poor Adam. He, you know, some people, some people, I guess, you know, they choose careers that are suited to their personality types. Being out in the field digging rocks, um, you know, it's a lot of time alone. Like possibly not. A lot. He's such a sweet man. He's such a lovely man. He's very shy, and that's fine. It's okay to be shy. Um, but he does have, he might not have just had that much experience in describing his emotions and talking about his emotions and talking where he is. And he's, he really struggles to find the words for Ellie. And, and sadly, it leads us to this moment where where Adam leaves. And, and I think the biggest heartbreak there was that I wasn't there to whisper him off, to be honest. Because <laughs> if, if there was ever anybody that I wanted to look in the eye with empathy in my heart and go... Adam, I'm so sorry, but you didn't receive a rose. 
can you please take the time now to say goodbye? Um, it would have been him because then I would have hugged him. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, like every, I'm so glad and just, we're getting just some nest, nestled here. into those pecs for just a moment. Just nestled into those big pecs for just a moment. Thunder egg. <laughs> oh, what a sweet man. What a sweet man. I don't think if we ever do Batch in Paradise or anything ever again, I don't know if we'll ever see Adam because we have, you know, like like Vladimir Putin releasing Siberian tigers back out into the wild. That man is just going to oh. just rush out into the forest and feast upon the bounty that awaits him now that the world knows he exists. <laughs> it's all like, forget about it. There's no way he's we're ever seeing I him again. I always find it so fascinating to watch the Instagram followers side by side with the show and the girls seem to accumulate more followers and the guys a little less, but <laughs> Adam's Instagram followers are just skyrocketing and I don't think right. it's for his geology facts, unfortunately. Um, he's There's a moment where he's in the car and he's driving away. And sometimes there's so... We always film them as they drive away. We always film. There's always a chat. But sometimes there's so much going on in the episode that we don't end up seeing that chat. But he says, oh, you made me feel very special. And my heart just went... Oh, my God. He said, he stomp, said stomp, I liked stomp. Ellie. And I was like, oh, my God. Like that is... And oh. I think in the in the whole... Like, having just watched... What I felt like, you know, watching one of the these shows, you, we know the beats now. We know when to expect. Like, it, it's in this conversation after hometowns that, as an audience, we're expecting, "I'm falling in my, love with you," or "We're heading in that direction." And yeah. to sit to hear him just give like the most beautiful, meek. I liked Ellie when he hasn't been able yeah. to say that at the end of his hometown was just, yeah, it was it was quite endearing, I thought. Yeah, it was. Now, this was a huge show. This was a two-hour finale. Oh, I was exhausted by the end. Oh, but how good, how good. The final ceremony was always going to be tricky. With two, uh, with two heroes, we had four uh, final choices, but... All the conventions got blown right out of the water and it was epic. We'll talk about that in just a second. Hey, Husey here. Can't get enough of Husey. We have a problem. Well, here we are to help you even more. We've got a podcast. Find it at your favourite podcast app. This is Cocktails and Roses. I'm Osha Ginsberg. That's Alicia Aitken-Ragburn. We are breaking down the final two episodes, the mighty finales of The Bachelorette. The first time in history I've had two sisters be on The Bachelorette. We get onto a paddle steamer on the Nepean Bell. Uh, there's um, Joey and Ellie uh, having a second crack at their weekend away. There's paddle boarding. Um, but before they even get there, there's... There's pashing. Um, is it is it like when it comes to be winter again and you go, I remember this coat, and you pull on and go, oh, yeah. Is that what it is? Look, I do think that there's like I'm going to take from that <laughs> comfort as what we're trying to indicate. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I feel like Ellie has taken a lot of comfort in Joe through this whole experience, and I think that, I find when I see them together, it's almost like 
It's almost like she can, I think she might've even said it. It's like she's, she can breathe. It's like she's had Mm. this, she can just like be herself and she's relaxing. And I, I thought that that was really well captured in uh, when they are making out on the paddleboard. Like they have that comfortability where they're like having a kiss, but then they clearly like lose their balance and they're trying to rebalance a little bit. And then he goes in again and it was just very, they were very, yeah, it was quite cute. Uh, Joey doesn't hold back. He uh, he says he's falling in love with Ellie. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I don't know if she had the chance to see Lockie's finale, but she <laughs> doesn't say I love you too. Uh, <laughs> Oh gosh, it's actually quite move. interesting when you when you compare Lockie's finale to this finale. It's quite interesting that like think about how early in the bachelor season we got the I'm falling in love with you's. Like it really felt yeah. like it was mid-season there, but for the bachelorettes, it's coming quite towards the end, which must what must make it kind of kind of difficult for them yeah. to make their decisions. Yeah. Um, but it definitely raises, uh, it makes me more curious about which way they're going to go. Yeah. I'm always, cu- I'm always curious about when, and having, you know, we've all, we've talked about this on this show before. We've all gone back for a second lap. We've all gone back mm. to see, you know, was I, you know, and how do I put this? We all remember the warmth. We all remember the warmth of a favorite comfy sweater. Um, so much so that we tend to forget how itchy it is sometimes. Yeah. You know, when we initially put it on, we go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember this one. But we forget that, oh, hang on a second. There was a tag in the back or something that, that used Literally, to really like, me. just last year, I revisited, let's say, one of my boyfriends from university. And, you know, I think we'd, we'd come across, we'd probably like come across each other on something like Tinder and it's like, oh, okay, we're both single again. And we decided to go on a date. We we went on this initial date um, in the middle of the CBD and, you know, had did all the reminiscing, had all the beers, went back to my place, had a great time and our souls touched, <laughs> as Fraser would say. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yep. And like all good, fun, like gr- great to go back a second time. Except then we went on a second date and literally the whole date I I was just sitting there thinking this is why we broke up the first time. Like there is yes. just like it, it all just all the novelty of physically going back there a second yeah. time had worn off yeah. and and it was just so, I just had this moment of clarity being like, yeah, no, th- this is like oh, our conversation strange. wasn't there. It yeah. just like, it wasn't happening. And, oh. and so. Everyone, everyone listening is, everyone listening is, I'm nodding. Our producer's nodding. We're all like, yeah. yep, yep, d- done it. We've yep, had those no, exactly. moments. We've all been there. And I wonder if that's I, what's happening. I wonder if yeah. that's happening. Do you think that that Ellie is having those emotions? Well, it's very easy to find yourself sucked in by the nostalgia and not be able to um, identify what is the feeling of comfort that comes with the nostalgia and what is actually happening right now. And I guess that this situation is putting her in that where she has to view it with eyes wide open because we very quickly, um, she's fanging around the fields on a tractor with Fraser. I mean, who doesn't, when you think (laughs) romance, you think John Deere. 
that's what you do. <laughs> You know? <laughs> oh, um, she's living her country fantasy. Living her country <laughs> life. And they're making out behind the wheel of a three-ton, you know, almost combine harvester. Thankfully, uh, no one else is in the field when they're pashing because the uh, steering gets a little wobbly, we'll, we'll say. Um, sorry for the small little critters in the field who ended up in the way. Um, and then there was a, oh, my God. If there's one, if there's been one enduring star of The Bachelor Australia, if there's been one thing that is like 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 Polaris, like the star in the sky that we look towards at night when we're navigating across the open ocean, we'll know everything's fine as long as we can cop eyes on that. We'll know where we're going. It's the big copper bath because, ladies and gentlemen, it's back. It arrived with Richie and Alex. It got filled with chocolate. Oh, I've seen it. Matty J's been in it. Matty Agnew's been in it. Um, who else was in it? Oh, well, Lockie was in there with some mud, not even just this yes. year. And um, yes. I think an entire episode needs to be devoted to the uh, sanitization of this water vessel. <laughs> That bath is not COVID safe. <laughs> wow, look, we're back in there. We're back into that. Like the props warehouse, the art department guys have wheeled it out once again. They've pulled it out of the autoclave and gone, let's go. Fill her up. <laughs> we're on, boys. Oh, I just don't know. I don't know how we managed to make baths look like even Tim and Angie when they were in this bath. And he's like, you know, six foot seven or whatever. He's not a small Even man. they made it look cute and romantic at some point once he'd like managed to wedge himself in amongst her like limbs. <laughs> yeah. And they get they get cute and comfortable. It's looking romantic and they start having some big conversations. Everyone's toes are way more manky than you think they are when they're in your <laughs> armpits when you're trying to share a bath. Let's be honest. It's true. Toes are fine when we're there at the other end from the end you're kissing, but when you're in a sharing a bath and suddenly you're like, oh, your toes are in my armpits, oh, like I've got horrible feet. <laughs> oh my god! You know. So Just anyway, the moment that at- you want to uh, discuss doing long distance. <laughs> yeah, but that's where they, you know, I mean, where else are you going to have this conversation except in a uh, in a bath that's been shared by? I mean, that's the th- this is honestly this is why if ever I'm booking a hotel online and they go, would you like a spa room? No, thank you very much. I do not want a spa room because there is no amount of sanitization that you could put through those water pumps, <laughs> none at all, that will convince me that there isn't just like some random element of DNA hiding up behind some sort of rotor blade that's ready to gush out. Nah, I'm out. <laughs> never, oh my never, gosh. never. I'll use a shower. I'll use a shower, then, but nah. A hotel room with a spa bath in it? Nah, someone else can stay in that. Uh, now, now, now you've scarred me from spa baths in hotels Never, forever. ever. Nah, communal spas. Like, you know how biology, you did great grade 10 science. Yeah, you yeah, know how, yeah. You know how heat and bacteria work together? Tip top. <laughs> Back to back to the the bath, right? Ellie says she's she's willing to move. All right, she's willing to move to Queensland if you know we are willing ever allowed to get over the border. Uh, she's willing to move to Queensland, um, but she needs to know that Fraser is going to be cool with that because it would mean leaving everything that she's created in Newcastle. We saw Becky talk a lot about the life that she's created in Newcastle, and that you know she's very much about making sure that she and Pete can can you know, be together in some way or shape or form. And she really, you know, it seems like Newcastle, they've created a life for themselves and their sense of identity is very tied to this place. And so to be willing to leave that, you want to be sure that it's the right thing to do. Do you think Fraser's made himself clear enough? 
Well, I think it was so, I, I was really glad that Ellie was asking this. She like got very serious about it because you, it is something that you need to know. If you're going to uproot your whole life, it can't be for two months and then you guys decide that it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Like she needs to know that Fraser is just as much in this for the long haul as she is. Like thinking about my own context with Glenn, you really need a partner that like Glenn tells me regularly how much he appreciates and recognizes that I have sacrificed a lot to move Mm. my whole life to Perth. And I think that one, you need a partner who's, who is, is like really does acknowledge that and lets you know how much they really identify and appreciate you for doing that. But also, like, you need to know that, you you know, you're going to come. Like, Ellie needs to go to Brisbane and in the practical way, like, they probably, they need to, like, move in together. And so you you need to know that the other person is ready for some big steps very quickly. Speaking of big steps, uh, Pete and Becky take a big step out of a perfectly good plane. Uh, a real drag because Joey's brother was like, have you ever been skydiving or anything like that? Come on, man. Oh, my God. You haven't been skydiving? Uh, sorry, pal. Her, her sister's going to take someone skydiving. And, yeah, Becky takes Pete and they jump out of a plane. Um, obviously, Pete, shall we say, he's a little reserved. But, you know, it seems that if you face him with a uh, certain death, he tends to come to life. And that's a lovely thing. I thought Becky was just so solid during this. Like, Glenn's going skydiving next weekend. And I, like, sky, sky, I was, I thought about it for maybe a good two minutes. And then I remembered that I could hardly do the high ropes course that we did in Bunbury not too long ago. So I was like, "Mm, don't think skydiving's for me. But I thought, like, and having considered quite recently whether I could do skydiving or not, Becky was, like, so chilled out about it. She, like, there was no – it was quite refreshing because I think it's a bit of an overplayed trope of the, like, nervous woman who needs, like, the hunky Pete to, like, calm her down and get her through this, which is, like – what where I would be with the whole skydiving thing. Like you would get exactly what you come for the bachelor for. Like I would be crying. Glenn would look at me in the eyes and be like, I believe in you. You can do this. And then we yeah. get, we do it, fly out yeah. of a plane, whatever, bring ourselves out of a plane. But Becky was chill. I really dig Becky. I really like her. I really me like too. that she's, she's just fearless and she's so emotionally, she, I have such great emotional intelligence. She is someone who's not afraid to explore and, and, you know, has great boundaries, really good boundaries. Um, uh, and this was just another episode where I just, just I'm cheering who Becky is. I really am, and I, I wonder, um, you know, I get, under, I understand that she's a bit worried that Pete's not there. Um, you know, I mean, there are mitigating circumstances around Pete's inability to leave Adelaide. Um, he has, you know, people that depend on him. Uh, yes, quite, quite, quite reasonably so. Um, so she's obviously facing a relocation situation as well. Do you think he's been clear enough about his feelings? I feel like I was glad that Becky was sort of advocating for herself and asking him to be a little bit more explicit in his feelings because I don't think that Pete has like, I feel like it has 
it's been almost this unspoken undercurrent that clearly they are very they have they have a connection. We've seen that all season from them kissing underneath that Akubra. But oh, that was a great I, moment. <laughs> great moment. I don't think that Pete has particularly put into words. I I really am feeling this yeah. and I see this as, you know, e- even long distance aside, even coming together, whether that's in Adelaide or Newcastle, I don't, I didn't feel that he'd even taken the step to be like, I see you as my future and we're going to make this work. And I think that's what Becky needed. Adrian was pretty vocal uh, at the very end of his date. And, and let's be honest, you know, it's not really a bachelor unless someone gets smothered in mud or gets hands on. We saw you and Glenn kind of smear some sort of, you've got to be some sort of smearing. Uh, we've yeah. got to jump out of a plane. It's not a bachelor show unless someone jumps out of a plane or there's some sort of substance smeared across a body. Because I guess <laughs> in prime time, how are you going to show with potentially little kids watching as well the sensual nature of a relationship of people exploring each other's mm. bodies in a way that doesn't involve um, anything bigger than kissing? So, you know, this is a moment where there's, you know, some sort of gushiness. Uh, um, was a bit. It was a bit more gushy than I'm used. Did I? Than I, like, like we were lingering on the kisses a lot. We've been lingering on the yes. gushiness a lot. Yeah, a bit weird. A bit a bit weird. Do you think Adrian? You know, talked about his feelings enough. Do you think he he talked to Becky enough? I feel like Adrian has like done a hardcore turn, and I think he's gone mm. from being very ladsy to like zero to a hundred of expressing his feelings. And yeah, I do guess I have the littlest bit of cynicism because he did make the, that turn. And I know that you're very optimistic that he's had this learning moment, Osha. Yeah. But I do worry that I worry that he's been in the environment of being on The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, sorry, and he's identified amongst these guys, oh, shit, I'm actually, like, the one that she's hot for. Uh, I'm I'm probably not going to be, like, I like there is more opportunity for me than leaving mid-season. And so he's just, like, lent into it really hard. That's yeah. the one thing that I'm a bit cynical about, that he's, like, just seen this opportunity that she really likes him. So he's going to just, like, Go with it. We see the two sisters getting ready for the. Normally, this is the the thought track. Normally, we see the person putting on the tux mm. or putting on the dress or putting you know whatever, and that's that we we see lots of slow motion, you know, fabulous product shots of jewelry, etc. Uh, while they go, I'm really worried if this is the guy. I'm feeling like I've been hurt before, and I don't know, you know, building up the tension, right? But this time, we we see that thought track play out in a conversation with the two ladies, which I really really enjoyed, and they they. They're very supportive of each other. And like, and I've said this since the start, like to see how these sisters support each other, if I was their parents, I'd be high-fiving going, well done, darling, we did it. We made our kids best friends. And this is the greatest thing ever. We open with Becky. It's, it's really, they're very, very emotional, these two. They've gone all in. And I'm so proud of them for doing so because it's really scary. You know, there's cameras and lights and flowers and candles and all kinds of business. But to allow then yourself to become emotionally vulnerable in the middle of all that chaos is a very tricky thing to do. And they've both done it. And, you know, we've seen people in the past that when they do, they reap the rewards. We start with Becky. There's always going to be someone that goes home. This is the trickiest part of The Bachelor. 
or the bachelorette is they, I'm normally the one that pulls the trigger. They never have to dump someone until the final moment. So the first time they ever say, I don't want to be with you is the last point. That's my job. My job is to do all the dumping until that final moment. So we have this really concentrated outpouring of, oh no, oh no, I actually have to hurt someone here. And that's what happens Mm -hmm. when she sees Adrian. How do you think he handled it? I thought he was pretty good, to be honest, but I guess, like, yeah, I thought he was very respectful and I really liked how much, like, it had very Shannon energy to me where he was, like, he was quite happy, I guess, for Becky that clearly, I think he felt it that she had found love and it wasn't with him and he was respectful of that. I guess probably in the back of my mind I was thinking, and this takes us back to like what I was just saying about um, Adrian sort of zero to a hundred about how he's yeah. feeling about Becky. I do. I guess I wonder like was he a bit like water off a duck's back because he wasn't that invested, but he did. He did seem he got into the car and he was like, "That's bullshit." <laughs> So maybe he was more invested than I thought. It's all right. Take some time to find yourself, Adrian. Go move to Bonaire and be a kite surfing instructor for the Dutchies for a while. You'll come back Mm. and you'll feel life life is so much better. In fact, let's all go to Bonaire because it's a beautiful place and the scuba diving is amazing and we can all learn to kite surf when the the water visibility is not great, which is normally (laughs) the way it is when it's windy. Um, Becky chooses Pete. She chooses Pete. I can't wait. Uh, for tomorrow when they finally go uh, and get in the press and we find out who's moving who, who's moving where. I uh, am I so know. excited. Like it's always what I'm the most excited for. And yeah. I just love watching people's progression post-show. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with Becky. And yeah. Paul. I think, as I said before, I think really, I think Becky's got the emotional intelligence to uh, give it a damn good shot and at least communicate enough that when they do reach bumps, they'll be able to work them through them, work through them. And Pete has the experience of having been in a long-term relationship to know that it's not all champagne, uh, strawberries and balcony sex. That Occasionally, you know, you're going to have to talk about the tough stuff. And so I have a lot of faith for those guys. Here we come to the very far, final moment with Ellie and bless her. We talked about earlier in a, in a, when we talked about Lockie, we talked about the Sam Wood technique of, look, if you're not feeling it, don't make him sit through it. And yeah. she, in her heart, she's like, I can't do it to him. I can't put him in a car and make him drive all the way to the you know, the final ceremony and see me. I have to, I have to go tell him right now. And I'm so proud of her for doing that. I'm so, she felt that strongly. And she had, I'm not going to say she had, of course, everyone's got respect for the two people that finally end up at the end. But um, it's a move we've never seen before. And I'm just... It just shows a lot of how how much she did respect him and how much yeah, respect I, she has I think because it of it comes history, down to that. Yeah, I think yeah. it came down to that that he, she really Joe really meant something deep to her, but I think when she probably when she was and it's it's frustrating because I think just by virtue of how the show's constructed, you do compare and contrast. And I think that when she's got these like fireworks with Fraser and she probably has like some, some feelings for Joe, but you can see that she, she articulates to Joe. She says, when you said that you were falling in love with me, I didn't 
I don't think I was I had the feelings that I was was supposed to feel. And I think that that was such a powerful way to articulate it because I think that a lot of people have been in these situations where like I've, I've been in places where I've been single for quite a while. I've been going on dates with guys. It's all been like looking really good, but it's just not, enough to take you to that next level and it can be really upsetting and frustrating and I think that that's what Ellie has gone through yeah when will she finally get you know they're devo they're both clearly clearly devo but ultimately this is the ripping off the band-aid this is a taking off of the elastoplast this is the it's got to be done and it's it's tough in the moment, but ultimately it's better for both of you. It really is. And then he's not left wondering. And I think that's a really important thing when you do break up with someone. Don't leave them wondering. Yeah. And don't don't cop out. They're not going to be with you anyway, so you may as well give them the truth. All yeah. Right? And that's don't cop out. Let them give them the clean break. Give them all the information that they need. Don't go. Oh yeah, I just have a. Don't ghost them. You know, just give them give them what they need to hear so they can you know give do them the honor of giving them what they need to know and then to to grieve with basically um, yes very quick and this is the really hard thing about this show is that on the same day sometimes less than an hour after doing such a thing you have to turn around and tell someone you dearly 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 love them and this is where Fraser and Ellie meet each other underneath this beautiful situation with all the flowers all the action it's just beautiful um Fraser and Ellie, you ship it? Yeah, I love the I love what we get here in the finale where we get the return to the first meeting. And I think that you can see the electricity between Fraser and Ellie that first time that they met. Like Ellie was clearly they just had that physical attraction. And it's good to see that through this series, they've managed to progress that into something more substantial. Um so yeah, I I I'm really excited to see what happens for Ellie and Fraser as well. But one thing that was pronounced for me this year which I found really interesting was I don't think that we got an I love you from either of the couples. And ah. I actually I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like I think that I think it's quite honest and realistic and I think that, you know, if I think it's a lot of pressure to put on the Bachelor franchise that everyone's going to be like saying those three words at the end of their journey. And I I think that it's, it's good for us as an audience to now be able to follow their journeys outside of, I was about to say paradise, but outside of the Bachelorette. Yeah. Uh, you make a good you make a good point because you know in the states they're all about it they they do the recap show they're down on one knee they're proposing everyone's ready to go um, if we get there that's lovely I yeah. love seeing a proposal on the final day I love it just as much as anybody however um, you know I get that I get that not everyone can get there in the in the short amount of time that they they're on with us and you know I'm looking forward to seeing this unfold in in out in the wild. It's going to be great. It's been fun doing the show with you. I'm re- I'm really happy oh, that we've got to do this. I'm going Alicia. to get all sentimental. It's going to be great. Hopefully this isn't the last step. I'm hoping we can squeeze another one or two out where we actually do a bit of after the rose style chat. Um because and people ask us all the time, trust me, we pitch it every single year. But for whatever reasons, the stars and planets don't align all the time and we can't do it. We, we've done Women Tell All, we've done After the Rose, we've done After Paradise, but for some reason we just 
It's, sometimes the stars and planets don't align. Television's a strange business and not everything can get commissioned all the time. So uh, hopefully we can come a little bit closer to that and do a bit of a wrap-up, do a bit of a recap and try and actually speak to people now that everyone's public. Um, so we're going to try and get that happening. If not, thank you so much for being a part of it. Thanks to Steph and Stu, our producers. Thank you, Alicia, for being a part of this. Thank you to my wife, Audrey, for always looking after the baby uh, and the dogs while I'm <laughs> making this show. Um this has been great, Alicia. Um, oh, I'll see you I've next season. Every minute of it. We'll see each other next year, I guess. All right. <laughs> or you a got little it. bit see sooner. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody.